there are some passages in the Scripture about the end times and the return of the Lord that would have been difficult to comprehend, would have been difficult to even understand. Only a few years ago, for example, in Revelation chapter 18, when it talks about a global, worldwide economic collapse, you would have to say, what? I mean, Asia is Asia, Africa is Africa. How can that be? The world was not interconnected, but it is now. As we study the Word of God, we read about a number of signs that indicates the nearness, watching my words now, the nearness of the end of times. For example, in Matthew 24, our Lord Jesus Christ said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached all over the world to every nation, as a testimony to every nation, and then the end will come. Now, when you think about it, I am being watched right now, literally, in every corner of the globe, from the Philippines to Australia to Europe to Africa, and we get messages from all over the world right now. That would have been impossible 50 years ago. Among other signs the Bible gives us is the globalization, which prepares the world for the Antichrist. The increase in knowledge— Knowledge used to double every 150 or 160 years. Now they're doubling every few weeks. Increase in knowledge. Ethnic tension. The atmospheric change. Certainly it appears that we are the generation that are experiencing all of these signs. Let me say this at the outset. I am not, I want to repeat this, I am not, one of those stargazers. I really am not. I am not. I will repeat, I am not. Advocate or ever advocate, and I'm going to show you why that's not biblical, ever advocate selling everything, putting on white robes, and head for the mountains. That would be absolutely contrary to the Word of God. That would be absolutely contrary to what Jesus said. The Lord Jesus tells us that those who truly, truly believe in the imminence of the return of the Lord, are compelled to work longer and work harder than ever before. We are compelled to do more and accomplish more and give of ourselves more and not hide. Jesus did not, repeat, did not, did not say, sit around and do nothing till I return. He did not say that. Or become a navel gazer a lot of naval gazers these days, until I return. No, no, no. He said, and the old translation said, occupy till I come. This is not occupy like those hooligans occupying parts of cities. <laughs> the word occupy was translated from the Latin, which means work your hardest till I come, until I return. It means that every business deal will make the deal with the desire to honor Christ. It means that every relationship I build is motivated by honoring Christ. It means that every service I offer is motivated for the honor of Christ. It means every decision that I make is motivated by how am I going to glorify Christ. It means that every dollar that I give is motivated of how is going to bring glory to Christ. Jesus himself repeatedly said in describing what will take place at the rapture? He said, 
two will be working in the field. What will they be doing? Working. <laughs> and the believer is going to get caught up, and the unbeliever stays behind. If Jesus returns today, how will he find me? I can tell you without any apologies. He's going to find me diligently working. He's going to find me faithfully serving. What will he see us all doing, those who claim to love Christ and love his appearing? Will he find us to be good stewards or careless? Will he find us to be bogged down in trivia or building up his kingdom? Will he find us building believers up or tearing them down? I can go on and on and on, but I won't. I want you to listen carefully. When we see clear signs of the return of the Lord, let us not look inward. Let's not get preoccupied with the clock. <laughs> Let's not lose focus of His kingdom here and now. We has placed us where we're supposed to serve Him with every ounce of our energy. I work longer and harder now than I ever worked before in my life. Listen, I want Christ, if He returns in my lifetime, I want Him to see me working harder than I've ever worked before. The reason I'm spending this much time introducing the subject, because I deeply care, I really deeply, only God in heaven knows how much I deeply care for the 21st century church to get it right, to get it right, to get it right. Being ready for the return of Christ means my prayer focus is on what is near and dear to His heart. My preparation is for eternity. My maximizing of my influence is for His glory. My greatest investment is for what is eternal. And during this Advent season, looking at why Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, it's one thing to say it's the most wonderful, but why? And the first of all, we saw the reason it's the most wonderful time of the year, because on that first Christmas, the Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven so that He may take away our sins. Secondly, in the last message, we saw from 1 John the reason Christ came to our earth from heaven so that He may destroy the works of the devil. And today, the third one, I'm going to show you the reason why our Lord Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, why He came to our earth, is to prepare the believers for His second coming. In John 14, 3, Jesus said, I go to the Father, and I prepare a place for you. Then I'll come back and take you with me. Now, please, 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 please don't miss what I'm going to tell you, Okay. His first coming was like a down payment. His second coming is like the closing time. <laughs> His first coming is like a couple who are madly in love and they become engaged. The wedding is His second coming. The first coming of Jesus is like entering school, but graduation day is His second coming. See, when Jesus came into the world, born of a virgin, died on a cross, a criminal's death, 
and rose again on the third day with His omnipotent power, ascended into heaven, He invited men and women, boys and girls, to believe in Him, to repent of their sins, to accept His death on the cross to be the payment of their wages of their sins, to live for Him. That's what He did. Let me put it this way. When you come to Christ, you are invited or like being invited by someone to go on a plane ride. I know that on that plane ride, and those of you who are in the plane, you'll understand what I'm talking about. The plane ride sometimes gets bumpy. Sometimes the trip feels long. <laughs> Other times the plane is so uncomfortable. I remember many 14 hours nonstop from the West Coast to Hong Kong. I've done that I don't know how many times in the 70s and the 80s, sitting in the back the entire 14 hours. It's uncomfortable at times. There are many turbulence in the air. I remember one time we're going over the coast of Japan, and I did not know this was my first time, that this is just renowned for being turbulent. And, and, and I remember confessing sins I've never even committed. <laughs> I thought, that's it. I, so I just confessed everything. <laughs> there are many times there are air pockets that causes us to get air sick at times. There are many near messes in the air at times. Oh, my goodness, there are obnoxious passengers at times. And, and we have them in the church. <laughs> there are obnoxious passengers on board. There are passengers who drive you insane. <laughs> if the destination, not the trip, is your focus, if the destination is your aim, if the destination is your vision, if the destination is your ultimate goal, if the destination is the totality of your purpose for living, then you would not let any of these things inconvenience you. You'll not let them get to you. You will not let the discomfort and the trouble get to you. You will not let the temporary aggravation <laughs> affect you. You will not let the air sickness deter you. You would not let the danger scares you. Why? Because your destination is your eternal home, and that's your ultimate hope. And I want to tell you, when that is the case, you will even enjoy the ride. You know, I've been through a lot, and, and I dare say that as long as we live, we're going to go through a lot. But I enjoy the ride. Here's the problem. If you begin to think that the plane ride is it, you will be miserable. <laughs> if your focus is only on the ride instead of the destination, you will get easily irritated, frustrated, agitated, and aggravated. If your focus is on the plane ride and not on the destination, you will be discouraged and disappointed, I promise you. If your total focus is the journey, you will go from turmoil to turmoil with only a brief respite in between. Listen, I want to make you a deal. Whether young or old, doesn't matter. I'll make you a deal. If every time you experience pain along the journey, focus on your destination. I promise you, it will lift you up. If every time 
you find yourself overwhelmed with the turbulence on the journey. Focus on the destination. I promise you, you will experience the glory of a smooth ride. Every time you find yourself experiencing air sickness (laughs) and discomfort or despondency, try to focus on Beulah Land as your ultimate destination. I promise you, you will soon find yourself gliding on the surface. If every time you find yourself feeling that you're about to crash, the plane is about to crash because of the crosswinds of life, begin to focus on your ultimate destination. I promise you, you will soon soar above the clouds. Now, beloved, the trip is only meant to last for a short time, but the destination is going to be forever. It's going to be forever. The trip is only a means for your destination to glory land. For Jesus came from heaven on that first Christmas so that He might prepare the believers for His second coming, for His second advent. Listen, don't you feel sorry for the people who have no thought of the second return of Christ? Don't you really deeply feel sorry for them? Those who say, oh, the second coming is only figment of Paul's imagination. Really? Well, I'm going to show you right now. That was never a figment of Paul's imagination. In John 14, years before Paul was converted to Christ, Jesus said in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you, then I'll come back and I'll take you with me. When he said that, Paul wasn't even around. When Jesus was lifted up to heaven before the eyes of 500 eyewitnesses, they saw him on the Mount of Olives rising up to heaven. In the book of Acts chapter 1, years before Paul was even converted to Christ, In verse 11, this was 40 days after the resurrection. In verse 11 of chapter 1, the book of Acts, it says, the angel said to them, this same Jesus is coming back in the same way you saw him going up. Paul only repeated what he heard from the apostles and the eyewitnesses who were there at the ascension day. And that is why he could say, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangels, and with the trumpet of God. You know, through the years, people really speculated on what the child is. You know what I speculate that child is? Enough! Enough suffering! Enough fear! Enough worry! Enough death! Enough sickness! Enough diseases! Enough is enough! Glory to God. Whatever the child is, I'm going to hear it, because whether I'm coming back with Jesus, with the saints, or here on earth, it doesn't matter. I will hear it. I'll be exceedingly glad. Listen to what Jesus' half-brother James said in James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 13. Be sober, Set your hope firmly on the grace that is coming to you at the return of Christ. Listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. But you know, we know, 
when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him or her purifies himself as he is pure. Listen to another half-brother of Jesus, Jude. Listen to what he said. Beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And they tell you it's a figment of Paul's imagination. Listen to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Jesus shall appear the second time. That's Hebrews 9. Not to deal with sin. Another translation said not to bear sin because He bore our sin on the cross already in His first coming. But the second time He's going to rescue us who are eagerly awaiting Him. Now, beloved, listen to me. It is so easy to get wrapped up in the sentimentality of Christmas and the baby in the manger and gifts and all that stuff. It's so easy to get so wrapped up with Christmas, to get so twisted to make Christmas whatever you want it to be. And even for believers to say, yes, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus came to save us. Save us from what? Yet His second coming is inseparable from His first coming. Did you get that? His second coming is inseparable from His first coming. In His first coming, He bore the gravity of our sin upon the cross. Our sins burdened Him. Our sins grinded Him. Our sins crushed Him. Our sins caused Him to feel deep, deep sorrow. Our sins caused Him to humble Himself even to a death of a criminal. Our sins caused Him to bear betrayal. Our sins caused Him to bear denial. Our sins caused Him to carry all of our anger on His holy body. For make no mistake about it, that baby of Bethlehem was the Creator God. Make no mistake about it, that baby born in Bethlehem was God entering into human limitations which caused by sin. But praise God, praise God, praise God. It is not, it's not going to be that way on His second coming. Praise God, it's not going to be the same. In His first coming, He entered into our world as helpless, poor babe in a manger. But on His second coming, He will return with all of His wealth and glory. On His first coming, He became lonely and rejected. But in His second coming, He will return with millions of believers who have departed, the faithful believers who have gone to be with Him. On that day, those who love Him… <laughs> will love His appearing. Those who have joyfully endured the plane ride, <laughs> those who have diligently worked and waited for Him, those who have been filled with expectations of His return, they're going to be filled with joy unspeakable. And I pray to God, not one single person at the sound of my voice would not be looking forward to the return of Christ. His second coming is going to be very different from His first coming. You see, in His first coming, He held a reed as a form of mockery in His hand. But in His second coming, He will be holding His scepter of the universe in His right hand. 
In His first advent, He was crowned with a crown of thorns. But in His second advent, He will be wearing the crown with many diadems. In His first advent, He was forced to wear a purple robe of mockery. But in His second coming, He will come robed with the splendor of His Father. In His first advent, He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. But in His second coming, He's going to wipe all of our tears and all of our grief. In His first advent, He came in humility. But in His second advent, He will come with power and great glory. In His first advent, He hung on a cross helplessly, but in His second advent, He will be sitting on the throne of judgment. In His first advent, He was a victim, but on His second advent, He will be the supreme victor. On His first coming, they spat on Him, and they slapped Him across the face, but on His second coming, His enemies are going to be His footstool. In His first coming, He was mocked. They mocked Him, and they dragged Him on all the streets of Jerusalem. But on His second coming, the blasphemers and the deniers, they will be sentenced to eternal judgment. In His first coming, He was forced to bow His head. But in His second coming, every head will bow in reverence to Him, and I can't wait. The question is, are you eager? Are you eager for His return? I have great news for you. I have a fantastic news for you today. Today, you can affirm your salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, you can accept the Savior's invitation. Today, you can get on board and begin the wonderful journey, anticipating that our flight will safely arrive home. Today, you can come to Him and place your hope in Him. Place your life in Him. Place your life's plans in Him. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.